Hello, Hipsy, and welcome back to another podcast of Seats to Serve. I'm Cheat Catherine. I'm Cheat Mianne. And I'm Dennis. And this is the gospel. Jesus promises eternal life. So getting right into it, the gospel takes place at a Passover feast with Philip, Andrew, and Jesus. And Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I say to you. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. And then Jesus says, I am troubled now. Yet, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. When I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this, indicating the kind of death he would die. So that was a pretty lengthy summary, but pretty much the gospel was Jesus talking about his own death and kind of foreshadowing it for these people by explaining the meaning of his death and the power that his death can create. So the first quote that we'll think about is, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. So what does, what does this even mean? For loving his life, uh, quote unquote, Jesus is talking about the material world. Because if you love your life and you're selfish with it and all you think about is the stuff and, I don't know, money, clothes, whatever it is, then you're going to lose it because you are not focused on the divine life. But if you're a person who hates his life, quote unquote, then you live not for yourself but for God. And you are hating the material world and looking up towards the divine world. And this is how you will be granted eternal life with the Father. Because the Father who sees all that we do and all that we do to serve Jesus will grant us salvation. So thinking of our own lives... Even though this gospel is about eternal life, we, we always tell you all to do good things and you will receive salvation and go to heaven. But what happens if you don't believe in eternal life or salvation in a way? What happens if you don't even know if heaven even exists? So we're going to express our own opinions and discuss death and also heaven. But first, we're going to talk about death and dying. So, cheat me in. What are your thoughts on death and dying? Um, I feel like when I was at least younger, or I think even now, I think I've always been pretty scared of death because it's like your whole life is ending, you know? Like, it's described as the end of your life, and then you're leaving people who, like, you love on Earth and everything, and it's always mourn especially like of course at funerals and when you're like someone close to you has passed away it's just very very sad so I feel like I've always feared it just the thought of not being here anymore and then possibly the thought of being forgotten by people really scares me still so I think that's what I think about death I think it's also kind of I guess peaceful because it's just 
no more worries, no more stress. Because I guess you've passed on in a way. True. No more worries. That's, that's one perk. <laughs> How about you, Aunt Dennis? Death has always been interesting for me, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's a typical word that you'd probably use to describe death. I mean, the death of a grandparent is probably like what most of us uh, usually encounter because those are like the eldest people that we know. And, you know, that's when people die of old age. Um, unfortunately for me, like I've never really, fortunately, unfortunately for me, I've never really experienced that. Um, my paternal grandfather, so my dad's father, um, he died when my dad was only five years old. So I never met him. Um, my dad's mother, so my paternal grandmother, uh, stayed in Vietnam. So my dad only came to uh, America by himself. So I never met her. Uh, we don't know how she's doing. Um, and then both my maternal grandparents are alive. So I never really experienced death that close to home, like in the family. Um, but, you know, I have experienced death of people that I knew that were my age. And, you know, that one is mostly like the biggest shocker. Um, and it's kind of like disheartening to say this, but like just with the pandemic and being asked to stream a funeral and whatnot, it's always like super somber. Um, but I feel like just being asked to be around and like being so business oriented, I guess you could say, like where you're streaming a funeral, you have a job to do, right? You're not really, it's desensitized me in that I haven't really been able to like grieve or been able to properly mourn um, along with those that I have been serving so much that I'm worrying about whether or not our internet connection is good or the camera feed is coming through cleanly, um, you know, and I feel like the really the closest way that I've been able to, you know, experience death is just through prayer. Um, and, you know, anytime that someone that I've either known or known through someone, you know, praying for the repose of their soul, praying for their family is the best way that I've been able to, you know, keep myself grounded through death. But yeah, it's been really something that I'm not really, I don't feel like I experienced the same way that normal people experience death, just because like, I've never really been introduced to it, I guess, in the way that most people traditionally get acquainted with that concept and idea of. That's pretty interesting like experiencing your own process of mourning, but in a way like once removed. Um, for me, kind of like Jeet Mian, I've also been like really afraid, like almost <laughs> deathly afraid of death. And it'll just like come suddenly. And I am just like stricken with fear of the fact that, yeah, like one day I'm not going to be on this earth. And um, if you've ever seen Coco, then it's kind of like that. Or if you haven't seen Coco, then if you're a fan of John Green and you've read The Fault in Our Stars, then uh, the dude character has that same fear of like human oblivion. Yeah, that like that can like literally keep me up at night and uh, I don't know what to do about it. It's pretty scary. The idea of it, that unknown of not even knowing what death is, because like, we don't know what death is until we experience it, um, unfortunately. Like, it's going to be the greatest unknown of our entire life. But it helps knowing that Jesus himself was scared. In this gospel, I don't know if this is what he was referring to, but Jesus himself in this gospel said, 
I am troubled now, yet what should I say? He's referring to his hour coming and his death coming on Good Friday. And the fact that he knows that he's going to die. He is he is possibly troubled by it, but what can he do? Uh, it's kind of like us, of how we know that death is the only way we can get to heaven. Jesus knows that, but he must die on the cross in order to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And yeah, like we've talked about like our fears and how do we process death. And me, when I was like in high school and had these fears about it, something that like helped the logical side of my brain was thinking of the law of conservation of energy. So if you don't remember what that is, it's that energy can neither be created nor destroyed, only converted from one form of energy to another. So this is, you know, in science. Like when, when, uh, when ice melts, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good example, but like when ice melts and turns into water, you know, it's, it's being converted from something to another thing. This is like pretty similar to when Jesus says, Amen, amen, I say to you. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it will produce much fruit. So when our human body dies, then like, yeah, it dies. It's no longer functioning. But when it dies, it produces much fruit because your soul leaves your body and is able to go to heaven and receive salvation. And that's that's like a form of the conservation of energy. So yeah, now that we've hopefully reassured you that eternal life or heaven exists, how do we get there? Jeep Man or <laughs> and Dennis, do you have any tips? Yes. The the number one way to pass Quinchun Camp is also the best way to reach eternal life. Salgai Tente. If you live the Eucharistic yes. day, um, you know, it I, I hate to sound super preachy, but it's the truth. Like, honestly, for me, I personally do live the Eucharistic day. You know, I do the morning offering. I do the night offering uh, where it allows I go to mass and I do whatever else. Right. And, you know, while that is like, like literally checking the box of like what you should be doing as a good Catholic, I feel like doing the morning offering and doing the night offering, it's a good way for me to uh, reflect upon myself and where I stand with not just myself, but not just my peers, not just with Jesus, but like all of them combined. And I feel like that keeps me grounded in terms of what I should be looking back for and, you know, reflecting upon my, how I've been handling things, but also where I can better myself, not just as a good person, but as a good Catholic. And not only does that make things better for me as a as a person to be around um you know trying to be more pleasant because i reflected on how poorly i acted but you know it's also clearing my conscience and paving the way towards eternal life true even though it's a checkbox it's a very good checkbox how about you jeep man well i think songai tente living eucharistic day is literally the best way you can really do it i feel like it's the easiest way and the most formatted way of how you do it because before people that I knew or when I was younger before I really was focused on like yelly bible classes and everything I always just question before I was like so if I did all these good things does one bad thing cancel out everything else like how do I really know 
whether I've done enough to go to heaven after I die and stuff like that. There's a lot of what if questions, I would say. It's just there's never really a way to really know until I guess you've died whether you've reached heaven or not. But I think one of the best ways is to truly live the Eucharistic day, whether that is giving a morning offering and offering or if it's just offering your day up to God reminding yourself that we are here to live for him and to give each day to him. So I think just by reminding ourselves throughout our day that that's what we're here for, I think that's just one step at least towards trying to finally achieve heaven. Yeah, I remember like thinking of, like you said, the good and the bad and like as a scale. Uh, But yeah, like sometimes that helps because you're always trying to tip the scale on the more good side and all the, you know, make the side of um, good things that you've done heavier than the bad things that you've done. And one way that you can do this is like, in addition to living the Eucharistic day, one part of it can be service. And Jesus pulls us to do good in order to get to heaven with him. He says that when I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw everyone to myself. So by looking at Jesus's example and seeing all the good that he has done, then we should reflect our lives to mirror his and not only spread the good news, but also act upon the good news, if that makes sense. So yeah, so making this come full circle, when Jesus tells us to hate this life and preserve it for the eternal life, pretty much we want to hate our lives in the best way possible because by hating it, then we will lose it on earth. And when we lose it on earth, then we'll gain so much more in heaven. Um, and yeah, that is pretty much all that I have. <laughs> but um, and Dennis, did you want to make the Zoom check-in? Ooh, man, that's a, that's a hard ask here. I, don't, like, I actually have not physically nor mentally prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> all right. Today's statement is going to be eye emoji, mouth emoji, eye emoji. (laughs) Can you even do that in Zoom? I feel like you can. If you can't type actual emojis in Zoom, no, you can. I've done it on Macarios. Um, If you cannot type the emojis, you need to type out eye emoji, mouth emoji, eye emoji. (laughs) And everyone needs to do it at the same time. So that those that did not watch it are like, well, what just happened? All right, well... There you have it. Um, <laughs> I never really knew what that emoji combination it's meant, a, it's but, a It's uh, a face, she, Catherine. It's a straight up, it's a, it's a face. Well, I guess the face speaks for itself. <laughs> all right. Well, it was nice talking to you all today. And we'll see you on Saturday. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later.